Hey everybody, it's Dr. G, Spirit Tales and Magic. Thanks for tuning in. It's around a quarter of three in the Pacific Northwest, and here's a shocker. It's raining and it's cold. It's also working on dark, but hey, it's a paranormal podcast. I am not in the studio, so I don't know if you are actually hearing the rain or not. If you are, there's not much I can do about that. It's been a very busy couple of weeks. I do apologize for not getting back on the podcast earlier than today, but there has been an awful lot of things going on. If you run out to the site, which is www.spirittalesandmagic, all one word, .com, you'll get to see some of the improvements that we're doing with the site, talk about the show a little bit. Many things going on, and I'm very, very glad that you all are a part of them. We have a lot of podcast things coming up, and apologies if you heard that scraping noise. I'm not sure what that is. We're going to talk today about curses, and then about a serial killer named Jake Bird. Now, you've heard me talk before about some cursed objects that we own for the show. There's some cursed pesos, some cursed coins, things like that. What started this all was an email from one of our listeners. And John says, Doc, I bought this cursed object. And ever since I've owned it, there's been nothing but trouble with the house. There's been trouble between my wife and I trouble between us and the neighbors, and these are things that have never happened before. I thought about you, but I didn't want to pass the curse to you, so I took the cursed object to our local Catholic church, rinsed it in holy water, and on the way home, I stopped on a bridge and threw it into the ocean. What do you think about that? What do I think about that? Well to each his own. I have a lot of cursed objects or a lot of objects that are pretty bizarre. Um, And I don't want to go into great detail about why they don't bother me so much, but I will tell you that the cursed pesos did cause us a problem and continue to cause us a problem. The episode that I wanted to do about Jake Bird. Jake Bird believes he can put the bird curse on anybody who, one, had anything to do with his death, and two, talks about him after his death. Um, I've had to begin this particular episode about nine different times because when Cassandra listens to it, She's like, you're not going to put that out on the air. (laughs) Okay. So let's, what is a curse? The dictionary, I believe, would say that it's an expression or a wish that misfortune or evil or maybe even doom would befall a person or a group of people. A formula or maybe even a charm that is intended to cause misfortune to another, 
I guess as a verb, it would just be cursing or to invoke evil. But then if you're talking about that, you can also talk about calamity, injury, or destruction. Or to swear, like, oh shit, my fudge. But anyway, I digress. Curses have been around for a very long time. So I thought it would, maybe we should mention some famous curses that you may or may not have heard about. Arguably, one of the most famous in pop culture would be the Kennedy curse. That came about, uh, I believe, in the 1940s. Uh, A widely disproportionate number of Kennedys have been killed or died prematurely. And as a How Stuff Works notes, the number of Kennedy family tragedies has led some people to believe that there must be a curse on the entire family. This began in, I believe, 1944, when John F. Kennedy's brother, Joseph Jr., died in a plane crash. He was fighting in the Second World War at the time. Their sister, Kathleen, also killed in a plane crash four years after that. Of course, we know in 1963, while serving as America's, I believe, 35th president, I didn't look that up, I hope I'm right, JFK was assassinated. He was 46 at the time. His younger brother, New York Senator Robert Kennedy, was assassinated, I believe, in 1968. The following year, Ted Kennedy, the youngest of the brothers, was involved in a car crash, which his passenger, Mary Jo, died. I believe that was Chappaquiddick. And the curse didn't end in the 60s. Robert Kennedy's son, David, died at age 28 of a drug overdose in 1984. Another of the senator's sons, Michael, died in a skiing accident. In 1997, he was only 38 years old. In 1999, JFK's son, John Jr., died at age 38 when the plane he was piloting crashed into the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. His wife and sister-in-law were also killed. More recently, Ted Kennedy's daughter, Kara, died of a heart attack while exercising. She was 51 years old. That was in 2011, I believe. In August of this year, I believe Soros Ross and Kennedy Hill, I hope I had that right, 22-year-old granddaughter of Robert Kennedy, found dead of a suspected overdose. When I was way young in this business, there were a group of gentlemen who spent an awful lot of time looking into and believing in the Kennedy curse. Been around for a long time. It's generational. A lot of generations know about it. There's another one you may have heard of, King Tut, Tutankhamun. According to History.com, records state that the stone guarding the tomb of the ancient Egyptian pharaoh read, Death shall come on swift wings 
to him who disturbs the peace of the king. The site continues, indeed, after Egyptologist Howard Carter and Lord Caravan opened his tomb in 1922, strange deaths occurred to many people who were involved in this project. Within just four months of opening the tomb, Lord Caveron died from an infected mosquito bite, with his dog dying mysteriously right after. Wolf Joel, a South African millionaire, was murdered a few months after his visit to the tomb, while A.C. Mace, a member of Carter's archaeological team, was killed by arsenic poisoning. <clears throat> Excuse me. All the rumors of a curse began to surface after the death of financier George J. Gould, the first who died prematurely of a fever six months after visiting the tomb. History.com notes that it is still important to remember that Carter lived until 1939, dying at the age of 64. There are a lot of other coincidental things that have happened around that curse. <clears throat> this is another one I used to hear about frequently. It's the 27 Club. A mix of youth and rock star lifestyle. This one probably is a little easier to explain. The theory of it states that a disproportionate amount of famous musicians have died at the age of 27. <clears throat> so we look into that blues musician, Robert Johnson, famed for playing the guitar so well that some said he must have made a deal with the devil, appears to be one of the sources of this curse, dying mysteriously at age 27 in 1938. There's a movie called Crossroads that alludes to Mr. Johnson. And where Johnson went, a number of other prestigious musicians have followed. Brian Jones, the founding member of the Rolling Stones, died at 27 in 1969. In 1970, both Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin died at, you guessed it, 27. Jim Morrison, the year after. The curse took something of a break, they say, until Kurt Cobain's death in 1994 in Amy Winehouse in 2011. It should probably go without saying that there have been plenty of virtuoso magicians who haven't musicians, Freudian slip, <clears throat> who haven't died by age 27. But if you spend some time on the internet looking, you'll find several who did, and also a few magicians, by the way. How about the Bermuda Triangle? Now, according to the legend, this small patch of the Atlantic Ocean north of the Caribbean has supposedly caused the demise of countless ships and planes as they have attempted to pass through it. Bermuda Triangle is situated between Bermuda to the north, I believe, 
that would make it Puerto Rico to the south and Florida to the west. An average of, I believe, four planes and 20 boats are said to have vanished in the zone every year. They claim that there is no trace of any of them left behind. The first reported incident, I believe, was in 1945, when five torpedo bombers carrying 14 men disappeared while flying over the triangle. Not only were they never found, but the search airplane that was sent to find them also went missing as did the 13 men it was carrying. And this comes from History.com. The Daily Mail says, from subsea pyramids to hexagonal clouds and alien bases, if you will, science and conspiracy theorists alike have drummed up every imaginable scenario over the years to explain the mysterious disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle. More recently, one science has scientist has suggested that it could be something as simple as rogue waves. Many other theories abound. Portals to here, there, and everywhere. So when it comes to curses, why do we believe them? How can they get to be so famous? If not actually widely believed, could it be that humans seek to rationalize events or perceived patterns that are inherently indecipherable if you're using logic? Two experts in the field, Nell Dagnall and Ken Drinkwater, both from Manchester Manchester University state that from a scientific perspective, curses have rational explanations. According to them, the endorsement of curses may stem from the desire to make sense of the world, to ascribe meaning to chaos, if you will. We often ask, Why do people see faces in clouds or Jesus in their toast? We have a tendency to find meaningful patterns in the meaningless noise, which some call apnophenia. Apnophenia itself is the tendency to perceive a connection or something meaningful or a meaningful pattern between unrelated or random things, say, such as an object or or an idea. In the case of curses, people tend to see links between random events and wrongly attribute misfortune and bad luck to a magical hex rather than factors such as chance or human error. This is a sentiment that's quite frequently echoed by experts. So in the absence of a perceived control, let's say, people become susceptible to detecting patterns in an effort to regain 
some sense of organization. Bruce Hood from Psychology Today is an experimental psychologist, and that is his theory. While anthropologist Stephen Guthrie adds, perceptually, the world is chronologically ambiguous and requires much interpretation. Now, we've talked before a lot about Barnum statements and those sorts of things and how magic works. And as a person who may or may not have pursued some serial killers once or twice, the shadows and the, if you will, things that go bump in the night kind of places, are those actual places or do we manufacture those in our mind? Can a desperate man put a curse on someone, and does it work? Mr. Jake Bird, a serial killer, seemed to think that it did. On October 30th, 1947, police responded to a report of a woman screaming in Tacoma, Washington. In the house, they found Bird, age 46, covered in blood and the bodies of Bertha and her daughter, Beverly. Beverly was 17. Both women had been beaten and slashed with an axe. Bird was arrested for both of their murders. He signed a confession in which he also admitted several other killings. But at his trial, he attempted to withdraw the confession complaining that police had beaten it out of him. He was found guilty. The judge asked him if he had anything to say before judgment was passed. Several minutes went by without a spoken word. Then he looked up. I possess the power of the Jake Bird Hex. And I am putting that Jake Bird hex on all of you who had anything to do with my being punished. Mark my words, you will die before I do. With that, the judge said, if that's all, I'll continue with the sentencing. And he sentenced Mr. Bird to be hanged. A month later, the judge died of a heart attack. One of Bird's lawyers died a year later on the anniversary of the sentencing date. A police officer who took Bird's second confession died in January of 1948, and the court's chief clerk died shortly afterwards. How about the officer who took Bird's first confession? died of a heart attack, and one of Bird's prison guards died shortly after that. Jake Bird outlived them all. He was hanged at Walla Walla, Washington on Friday, July the 15th, 1949. A baffling coincidence? 
were the result of a doomed man's curse. We've talked many times about Ripley and believe it or not. So where do you stand on curses? Do you possess a cursed object? Do you know someone that has been cursed or someone who has put a curse on someone else? We would love to hear about all that. And you know that on the website, you can submit your stories and we'll read them on the air. You can remain anonymous if you wish, or you can dedicate them to someone else. We're going to be out and about very heavily in the next couple of weeks. We'll be through the upper part of the state of Washington and we'll dip into Canada for a little bit, I believe. And I know that I will see many of you out there. For the rest of you, again, well, for all of you, thanks for listening. Give us a share, pass us along, subscribe, stay in the loop and know what's going on. When we talk about serial killers, you know, they say that at any given moment, there are five of them cruising for victims at any given time. So know your CDL, your critical distance line. Be aware of the space around you and space around those that you love. And until we see you in person, my friends, we'll see you inside your mind. Good rainy afternoon from Seattle. <laughs>